Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We want to welcome in any new listeners who are joining us for the very first time. We're happy to have you here. For those of you who have been here from the start, you know what the drill is. We live and die with this team just like all of you, and we make no apologies for that. So welcome in to another Bastards Roundtable episodes. We'll be talking some Red Sox, some league-wide stuff. Joining me tonight are Nick Face and Terry Cushman. Uh, they were on your last episode, so you're pretty familiar with them by now. Uh, how you guys doing? I'm doing well, Jason. Thank you for the introduction. Great to be here. Cool. Terry, how's it going? Uh, it is going. Uh, you know, this uh, game one of the Philly series will have been uh, played by the time this episode airs, so... That was the Chris Sale start. I'm sure it was interesting, <laughs> uh, but we'll uh, we'll see uh, throughout the weekend how it plays out. The Red Sox are streaking hot, and the Phillies are not. They are freezing cold. So, quick uh, podcast news, I guess, is what we could call it. Uh, Andrew Dwan no longer with the Bastards of Boston. Uh, there's really no sensational story that, you know, he didn't really do anything wrong. There was no, you know, nothing uh, super major, but, you know, sometimes moves get made and um, we appreciate everything he did with us and uh, we, uh, we wished him uh, the best. So with that, I think we can uh, get into uh, some Red Sox here. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to start just real quick with, obviously, the Boston Red Sox, over 500 now. I've had a pretty good stretch here towards the end of April, going into May. And, you know, we all had our different season win predictions going into this season. So the big question is, really, as of right now, are you buying in on the Boston Red Sox? Nick, I'll start with you. Are you buying in yet? Such an ambiguous question there, Jason. But it comes with a lot of, in my opinion, still question. They're at their best phase right now in this season that they've been. I think it's a little premature to start saying they're a playoff team. Am I buying that this team can be a surprise and be a better team than 75, 76 wins? Yeah, I can buy that. But am I buying that they're going to be a playoff team as of right now? No, because I need to see more. I'm not saying I'm negative here. I'm saying that I am enjoying this team right now. This, the games have been great. The production we're getting from so many players that we never really thought were going to be a, a conversation piece of this team are really coming about. And team's been very enjoyable. I just don't feel it's sustainable. I want to be wrong, but I'm enjoying every moment that this team has had in the last couple of weeks. Terry, buying in or not? Well, I, I don't think the audience is going to be real shocked with my response here, uh, especially the ones that also follow us on Twitter. But I'm just not there yet. You know, the Red Sox have an uncanny way of scoring a lot of runs. We've seen a lot of errors from our opponents, and, and that could be because maybe 
we just have an offense that can put the pressure, you know, on their defense and, and kind of almost force them to, to commit some errors. And we've seen some extremely timely ones. And I'm not saying the Red Sox are lucky. I'm, I'm really giving them credit. You know, we have a very robust offense and we're uh, number one right now, I think, in hits. I went over this last show. Yes, number one in hits across Major League Baseball. We are number one in doubles. Let's see where we are in triples. Not in the top 10. But it's a very potent offense. And constantly, it is overcoming one of the worst rotations in Major League Baseball. I don't know how many times we can continually come from behind. I think the Red Sox are currently sitting at, after a month, 14 come from behind victories. So I think the league will eventually start to figure out Yoshida. I still think he could be one of the best offensive guys on the team, but he's off the charts right now. Jaron Duran is off the charts right now. Alex Verdugo, off the charts right now. They they are... Some of the toughest outs, those three players in Major League Baseball. And I think some rotations and bullpens will start to figure them out, get them down to earth. I don't know that our rotation is ever going to be super great. I I, I don't know that I'm ever going to have the confidence on a start-by-start basis with Chris Sale. Same goes for Corey Kluber. I'm always skeptical on, on him. Nick Pavetta is who he is. He'll probably win 10 to 14 games, depending on how much run support he gets, but he's not going to carry this rotation. Excuse me. And the jury is still out on, on um, Brian Bayo and Tanner Houck. Even, you know, both of those guys have injury concerns, especially Houck had a back injury, needed back surgery season. That was in 2022, 2021. He had inflammation in the elbow, so Garrett Whitlock is out for a little while. Uh, you know, I'm assuming he's going to miss at least another two or three weeks. And then his role coming back is undetermined. And then who's going to help you down in the farm? There is no help coming. Uh, Brian Mata's line tonight, he gave up a handful of runs. He walked four guys. It just ugly. He, that dude is just a mess. I haven't looked up Chris Murphy recently but he was off to a terrible start didn't have a high ceiling anyway and uh brandon walter uh another guy not off to a hot start but these aren't guys i'm ever going to rely on you know coming up i just i'm still not there yet you know with the pitching and heim bloom if if we're around 500 by mid-july he might have to make a trade that essentially saves his job. He's never he's never given up significant a significant package for another player. We gave up our number ninth ranked prospect to get Schwarber. It was a one for one trade, and last I checked, that pitcher we gave him is junk. I don't even remember his name, but um, but I just don't. The reason I picked us to win so few games, 74, um, you know, it was starting pitching. It was starting pitching. I didn't love the lineup, and I'll admit right now it's better than I thought it would be, and we, we probably will win more than 74 games. And I never at any point this winter 
complained about the bullpen. It's been phenomenal, and it's been as good as I've expected. Um, but I'm not there yet. I think the Red Sox won't be a playoff team. You know, at this moment, I, I'm just I'm doubling down. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. But stranger things have happened. 2021, our two big moves were Martin Perez, Garrett Richards. Neither of them played a factor down the stretch, but we got two games from the World Series. So strange things do happen, but I can't buy in yet. Yeah. Uh, in full disclosure, I picked the Red Sox to win 82 games this year. And that's kind of why I'm I'm buying in on that. It's it's a little bit of a cop-out take, but I'm buying in on them being like an 82 to 85 win team and competing for the wild card. Um, I agree with Terry. The starting pitching is a concern still because you're getting inconsistent performances. You have injuries. You have Corey Kluber hasn't figured it out. Chris Sale, Terry and I infamously do not trust. Um, you know, Paxton is supposedly on his way, but... I say it all the time. I'll see it when I believe it with that guy because <laughs> I feel like it's been, you know, just two plus years of James Paxton is going to pitch and he still hasn't. So we'll see. The offense is rolling right now. And that's what's keeping you in games, which is great. Like, don't get me wrong. That's that's what you want. At the end of the day, like you want your offense firing on all cylinders. If your pitching's a little bit weak, you can always fix that down the road. The offense is the key. Yoshida is hitting. Devers went into a mini slump, but he's kind of hitting again. Justin Turner is hitting. Um, Jaron Duran has come up and it's been a huge impact. Emmanuel Valdez has been an impact. The offense is rolling. You're getting pr production out of your catcher spot. A lot of teams can't say that. So that all is good. The bullpen has been okay. It's been shaky at times. Blyer has not been off to a good start you're missing Joely Rodriguez he's making rehab starts he's on his way back looks pretty good so far so that should be another left-handed arm that's going to be in your service pretty soon this Bernardino guy you picked up from nowhere he's been pretty serviceable he hasn't given up many runs so that's good and Jansen when he's healthy and he's ready to go he's closing it down in the ninth so your bullpen's fine. Your starting rotation is a little Jekyll and Hyde right now, but your offense is firing. And honestly, uh, ride with the wave. Like the offense is going. If that's going to, you know, carry the team through, you know, the rest of May into early June when Duvall and Story are hopefully getting ready to come back and you get some more pitching help, that's a good sign. And look at what's happening around the league. Like the Yankees are in last place that they're not doing well that, you know, other world series favorite teams like the Cardinals, the Cardinals are 10 and 21. They blow right now. And a lot of us on this show picked the Cardinals to go to the world series. So look at the Mets, the Mets just got Verlander back. He got smacked. So it, it could be worse. And that's, you know, a lot of fans don't want to hear that, the whole it could be worse thing, but the Red Sox are doing exactly what they need to do right now. They're over 500, they're in the wild card hunt, and they're doing it with a lot of key pieces still missing. 
So they're only going to get healthier. They're only going to get stronger. The question is, can the offense continue to churn out runs the way it is? Is Masataki Yoshida going to continue on his rookie of the year trajectory? Is Jaron Duran going to continue to look like a whole new ball player? Or or as Nick called him at one point, Jacoby Ellsbury 2.0. I mean, we hope so, but you don't know. He might drop off. He might have a slumping month. And then what do you do? Raphael Devers was in a little bit of a mini slump from the end of April through now. He broke out of it. He had a big bomb on Thursday, but you know, that's, that's your star player. Like what if he continues to slump? What if Tristan Costas doesn't figure it out? So there's still question marks, but I'm buying in on the Red Sox being competitive, I think is where I ultimately stand. I'm not buying in on ALCS world series just yet. I can't do it. Like, it's too early. We're still in early May. There's still a lot of question marks in the air. But again, for 80 plus wins, yeah, absolutely. This should not be a 70 win team. They should be in the 80s. They should be competitive. Whether or not they make the playoffs, I don't know. But they should be in the hunt until later on in the season. Just real quick, I mean, just uh simplify my take on the pitching um you know if sale and kluber become close to an automatic loss i mean that that's tough and then if pavetta goes on his run where for four or five starts he's just going to be garbage his curveball is not going to have the movement he's going to get slapped around and then at that point you've got some combination of of bayo Hauk and, and Whitlock, and maybe Crawford, but I, I think Crawford's going to get slapped around. I, I think th- that's why he's not in the rotation now, I think. I think he's just good in, in his current role. But, you know, with those things, you know, with all those pitchers struggling, I just I just think that offense gets a, a little bit tired. And, you know, that's where the the heart of my skepticism still you know, rests. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, it could be wrong. It's it's good for business if, you know, if they all overachieve. The one thing that Jason said that, and the one player that gets me excited to believe in this team is the fact that we have a bona fide, legitimate closer. The amount of losses that we had last season that put us all in depression mode We don't have to worry about that this year. And I have to tell you as a fan, just to sit there and enjoy somebody who can come out for the ninth inning and can get the job done. I mean, what a sigh of relief that is. So to say that we actually have some pieces that can assemble a championship style team, Kenley Jensen's that guy. So you have that at the back end of your bullpen to keep it. So if your pitchers only go five innings or so, and you have to rely upon some other bullpen arms, you at least have somebody who's a lockdown closer. So that's one player in particular that makes me excited about the 2023 Red Sox in particular. Yeah, I agree. And look at the last two teams that Kenley Jansen pitched for. Championship, playoff caliber teams. So he's got the experience. I know he's a little bit older, but... That's that's why you pay the big bucks for him. And so far, 
apart from a few injury scares here and there, he's been exactly what you wanted. So you can't go wrong with that uh, for sure. So speaking of pitching, we're going to move to some younger pitching um, that isn't quite up in the major leagues yet. Probably going to take some more time, but there's a certain guy in the double A system who is absolutely on fire for the Red Sox right now. If you haven't heard the name before, you're hearing it now. It's Shane Drohan. He's pitching in double A right now for the Red Sox. Um, he actually just pitched on Thursday night, had another stellar outing, six innings, one hit, no runs, four Ks. Um, he's up to right now in the minors, 29 innings, a 0.62 ERA, a 0.69 whip, 30 Ks in 29 innings. He throws bullets. He's a left-hander. He's 24. So this is a guy that's climbing the rankings pretty fast. Now, he entered this year, according to MLB, as your number 29 prospect. He's jumping the rankings for sure. Um, but whether or not he makes a big league club is up in the air. He, again, 24-year-old in double-A, so maybe a little bit of a late bloomer in terms of that, but he looks really good. Uh, Nick, what do you expect out of Shane Drohan? Do you expect anything 2023, or are you waiting for next year? I do think it's realistic to see this guy jump to Worcester right around that June-July phase. If this continues and everything, they're going to want to get this guy up to that next level. But this guy makes me think about years past, who was the last guy that went from double A right to the big league club for the Red Sox? Was it a Clay Buckholz? Was it a Papelbon? Was it an Ellsbury? At some point, somebody jumped from double A and went all the way up to the majors. And th that's like unheard of anymore. So I feel like this guy's got to go to Worcester to at least prove that a little bit stronger competition obviously to get your feet set and you get 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 a little bit of taste of what next level talent's going to look like for Worcester before you get a taste of the big leagues but are we out of am I out of my mind with saying could this guy actually jump up a level and go right to the major league club if this team is in contention makes you makes you think doesn't it it's an exciting possibility and it has happened before um, but usually with positional players, like Ben Intendi was the last guy I remember who went from double A straight up to the majors. And maybe that was a mistake given how <laughs> the rest of his career is gone. But Terry, what are your thoughts on Shane Drohan? I'm not the, I'm not an expert on, you know, the farm system, uh, you know, Basically, where he's at now is where I start to pick up on them. And admittedly, a week ago, I'd never heard of him at all. And, uh, you know, his name wasn't brought up in, in the war room that we all hang out in, you know, throughout the week. Um, you know, it's, he's never been brought up on this podcast. Just glancing at his, uh, you know, minor league numbers so far. He had a 389 ERA in 2022 uh, across two different teams. That was high A Salem. He had a four, an even four ERA. And then uh, when he got up to double A, he actually got a little bit better, a 338. But for the whole season uh, combined, it was a 389. Season before that, this was in Salem. 
uh, a three nine six ERA. So typically he's pretty close to the four ERA, which as you know, against minor league hitting, that doesn't excite me. You know, why, why is that going to improve against major league hitters who are really good? Uh, you know, especially in a division like we're in, you know, and uh, looking at his innings pitched um, right around one strikeout per inning in 2021, that was uh, 88 innings pitched, 86 strikeouts. He had an uptick in 2022, 129 innings pitched with 157 strikeouts. That's appealing. His ERA isn't high, but he's got a potential to to strike guys out. And this year he's having a breakout year, but it's just so early. It just takes one or two bad starts. And then his, his numbers reflect what they have all along. And then what is he at that point? He's probably a reliever at best. If you can refine, you know, his pitches down to two that he can command really good. And uh, so We'll see. Uh, you know, I. it's always nice when you have one come out of nowhere and, and he ends up being serviceable. So, um, but uh, yeah. And they're already saying on Twitter, you don't mess with the draw hand. That's the thing now. So it's going to be extremely marketable, you know, if he makes it up, you know, maybe not quite as much as Connor Wong, who you can have a field day with, uh, you know, with his name, but um we'll see we'll see yeah i mean at the very least it's great to have a pitching prospect that looks like the real deal because you mentioned brian mata like not looking good so far um not off to the best start and right yeah it's it's falling apart for him i mean it's bad he he can't command the ball it's it's rough Brian Bayo, Garrett Whitlock, Tanner Houck, they're up. So those young guys, are they're not prospects anymore. They're major leaguers at this point. So Shane Drohan taking the leap that he is, is huge. Now, I'm, I'm all for it. I want him moved up to Worcester as soon as possible because I want to see this guy against AAA competition. The one thing I don't want, do not do – what the Kansas City Royals did to Brandon Finnegan. Oh, yeah. And if anyone Remember remembers that. Brandon Finnegan, he came up in 2015 when they were on a playoff run and they pitched him out of the bullpen. He was like their next big pitching stud. They accelerated him, brought him up, and that guy I'm pretty sure is out of baseball at this point. They ruined him. They did. They ruined him completely. They ruined him. Yep. He went to Cincinnati Never figured it out. He was supposed to be the next big thing. Came up at 21 years old, and he pitched well in the playoffs for Kansas City, but never figured it out after that. And I don't want the Red Sox doing that. You know, we mentioned Andrew Benintendi earlier on. Like, he made the jump from double-A to the majors. Look, he got the big contract with the White Sox, but has he really figured it out? I don't think so. No, it, Andrew Benintendi's not a top outfielder in the game anymore. He's not a perennial all-star. So don't rush the kid. And and I don't think the Red Sox will, to be fair. I like I do not think they're gonna rush this kid, but I just 
everyone who's excited about Drohan, just pump the brakes. I know, I know we're all desperate for the Red Sox to have another pitching prospect. Pump the brakes. Don't Brandon Finnegan this kid, please. <laughs> yeah, let it play its course. Yep. Don't Finnegan your team. Uh, just fun fact. Um, he was drafted in 2014. Two and a half months later, he was pitching in the World Series. Yeah. Right after he was drafted. He Too had quick. He had literally a cup of coffee. And interestingly, I, I knew he bounced around a little bit. Um, the Royals actually traded him the next season, uh, presumably at some point before the deadline. And he had pitched to a 296 ERA. I don't know who they got for him, but for, they must have known something. They they shipped him really fast when he was pitching really well. And uh, he ended up going to Cincinnati. So I'll have to On to that Cincinnati. That, and that was the year they won the World Series, by the way. So they lost yep. it in 2014. That was when in he 2015, pitched. right? Yep. Yeah. That's so when they beat the Mets. Yeah. That was a fun postseason. It was. And again, like, you know, he Finnegan looked like a real stud. I mean, he looked like the next big thing coming out of that system. And I don't know. If it, and again, like every case is different, whether they rushed him or not, it could be a him problem. I don't know, but I just with Shane Drohan, just let's pump the brakes a little bit. Okay. Just let's have him pitch in Worcester. It's only may. So I'm, I'm hoping that the Red Sox, you know, move him to Worcester soon because he's clearly dominating double A. So, and he's 24. What's the point of keeping him down there? Like move him to Worcester. Let's see how he does. If he's dominating Worcester by late July, August. And if the Red Sox are still in it, which I'm hoping they are competing for a wild card, maybe then, maybe then if there's an injury or if Paxton is still, you know, MIA at that point, which who knows if sales hurt, if Kluber's hurt, if whatever, like maybe then, but just don't rush it. You've got a good pitching prospect here. Don't rush it. Let's see how it goes. But at the end of the day, there is a new pitching prospect in town. That's a good sign because it's been a while for the Red Sox. So we'll take it. Real quick tidbit since we kept talking about him. Uh, Finnegan was actually in the Johnny Cueto trade. Uh, which was monumental oh. for the um, for the Royals in terms of winning the the World Series. Yeah. So, another fun fact: I doubt he listens to it, but I have a you know kind of a close friend. He uh, he had a some type of a brain bleed. I don't know if it was an actual aneurysm, and it was in the summer or late spring of um, twenty fifteen. And big Royals guy, uh, he was an Army brat. Royals are his favorite baseball team. He was in a coma for like a month. And when he came out of the coma, he had Johnny Cueto. It's <laughs> just so cool. You know, yeah, I yeah. wish I was there when they're like, dude, you got Johnny Cueto. And he was going to be one of the big free agents that winter. You know, that same free agency classes uh, David Price was in, uh, Zach Granke, Jordan Zimmerman. And another fun fact, we're, we're getting random at this point, but may as well. The guy I actually wanted, and I still get roasted for this on Twitter. 
didn't age well. My guy in that class, I really thought Jordan Zimmerman was like the value guy you could get. Yeah, I just thought he would be really serviceable and for the price. And the Tiger signed him for something like 110 million. I'm like, oh, that would have been perfect, you know. And uh, and then he sucked and couldn't stay healthy. And you know, but we ended up with David Price, which for me, David Price is my worst. Uh, excuse me, my least favorite player in Red Sox history. Bar none. He is my least favorite. So that's who we got. Price is up there for me. I mean, I, I hate the narrative, but, well, he helped you win a World Series. Okay. A little bit, but it wasn't all about him. That's revisionist history. Here's the thing. I, I'm going to be pissing off the audience with this one. He was useless until game five of the ALCS. And then he finally he pitched a yeah. good one. And then he did have a good World Series. And thank goodness – Steve Pierce got the MVP, and I, I laughed at how bitter David Price was about it. Um, I think because he has the World Series, I think fans give him a little bit of a leeway. In a way, same like Lackey, same deal. He showed up for the playoffs, got it done. But other than that, Lackey, nobody liked him here. He was an ass. Um, but Pablo Sandoval's mine. I can't. I can't even stomach that. No pun intended on it. That was. I can't uh, stomach him. You know, that was like a $95 million contract. So it was, oh. it was, yeah, not great. His most exciting moment in a Red Sox jersey was when his freaking belt exploded at home plate. I think that was against Toronto. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then with, with the David Price cop out, oh, you won your World Series. I'm like, well, we didn't need to spend $30 million on David Price. Go, no. go find you a Derek Lowe. And that would have worked yeah. just as well. So, yeah. all right. My David Price rant for the year is done. No, it's fine. And, and talking about worst contracts, mine's Carl Crawford, former Ray, who sucked here. And, uh, Didn't do a damn thing. Yep. And speaking of those Tampa Rays, uh, a certain Tampa Ray made some uh, some headlines this week. So Wander Franco, the uh, probably the number one Rays player on the team right now, at least offensively, uh, he made some news this week. And it was really just he fielded a ground ball routine ground ball but he scooped it up his glove flipped it up kind of you know played around with it a little bit in the air brought it to his forehand and threw the runner up and it was a skill play it was you know it was an automatic out but franco let's face it he dressed it up a little bit let's you know let's be honest he dressed it up a little bit he was a little bit flashy and people on twitter got pissed they got really upset um, some people saying it was just an absolute disgrace to the game. Some people putting vomit emojis over it. Um, so Terry, what was your reaction to the Wander Franco play? I've been a purist and, um, you know, I, I wasn't a big fan of the bat tossing. Um, you know, that, that was the big debate, you know, in the previous decade and all that. And, I guess, I mean, I'm, I don't really have a strong position on it anymore, but I think of it like if I was the manager, do I want my player doing that? Because inevitably in the ninth inning, things could go awry and a, a game gets lost because the ball gets dropped in the middle of the flashiness and... The runner's safe at first, and he steals second. And it just things can go haywire, and I, I just don't really like to to see that. 
And it's hilarious to me when something happens and then in their next at bat, you know, they get a fastball in the ribs and then the player starts crying about it. I'm like, well, you know, you kind of brought that on yourself, you know, and I won't take a strong position on that either because you could, you know, you could end a player season when that happens. But I just feel like, you know, you're letting the children horse around a little bit and eventually there's going to be consequences. So that's where I'm at. You know, if they want to mess around, you know, mess around and find out to keep it clean. Uh, so that's where I'm at. Nick, what do you think? When I first saw the play, I actually thought of myself as a high school senior, high school junior playing for my baseball team back at home. And I thought about my coach and I thought about what he would do if he saw that sort of reaction. He would have called timeout in the middle of the game and he would have told our player playing shortstop to go take that pole in right field and keep running, run back and forth. We used to call them foul poles. I've always been a traditionalist. I've always been somebody who plays the game with integrity, plays it the right way. I was taught from my coach how to do it. I've coached the same way with how I instruct some of my kids when we do some of our activities. I think there's a time and a place for fun. But I also think that when you have a play like a ground ball that's a routine thing, just throw the ball to first base and get the out. Like, come on. Get up there. If you want to go up when you hit, go and make a show. Go flip your bat and go do your thing. But in the field from that, I don't want to say I found it disrespectful. I just more so found it shocking to see a player want to pretty much pimp his throw over to the bag and make it all about him. So I didn't love it. I don't want to see this as a part of the game. And I just hope that this is kind of not so much policed, but I, I'm just hopeful that this whole fielding nonsense, they just get the out and get it done. So full disclosure, I hate the Rays. Um, I hate Tampa. I hate that stadium. I hate their fans. I lived there for five years. I went to college there. Uh, go Spartans, but F the race, uh, just, uh, respectfully. That being said, I don't hate it. I don't hate it because I want baseball back on the map. And baseball for so many years has suffered from a bad reputation thing where it's like it's all the unwritten rules and it's slow and it's boring. Um, one of my least favorite players of all time is um, Brian McCann, the old Braves catcher. Because I remember Brian McCann, both when he was with the Braves and the Yankees, just he was the like gatekeeper of the unwritten rules. You know, if he got slid into as a catcher, he lost his mind. It's like, oh, you don't do that. It's the unwritten rules. And, you know, there's a lot of players in baseball who are still like that. Oh, the unwritten rules. You don't do that. You know what? Screw the unwritten rules. They're dumb to begin with. Like, if Wander Franco wants to pimp throwing to first base, let him do it. Because one of these days, he might do that and he might drop the ball. And he might be safe. So if he wants to, as Terry said, screw around and find out, fine, let him do it. You hit a routine ground ball to second or short, wherever he was playing at the time. Like, 
doesn't matter. Just, it's not something to get worked up about. I couldn't believe the visceral reaction on Twitter, like, from, and not just from old guys, from people our age who were like, oh, no, I don't like this, you know, oh, vomit emoji. I'm like, why? Like, who cares? It's, it's the smallest little thing, like, and it goes back to the, you know, should you pimp a home run? Yeah, go ahead, pimp your home run. If you hit a baseball from a pitcher throwing, let's face it, these days, 98, 99, you know, on the black, and you can hit it 450 feet, yeah, you should pimp that. That's an amazing feat. And, like, let's face it, you're not doing it with steroids anymore, hopefully, Fernando Tatis. Um, you know, it's it's – it's harder now because they're not, they're testing for all that stuff. And like the game is harder now. If you're a skilled athlete, show it off. They do it in hockey. They do it in football. They do it in basketball. And those leagues make a ton of money. If the MLB wants to survive, if baseball wants to be cool, if as Rob Bradford likes to say, like his t-shirts, baseball isn't boring. Okay. Then let Wander Franco do his thing. Like you're gonna lose your mind because you granted out you you granted to him and he flipped the baseball in his hand before throwing you out. It's not like he went there and did the DX like you know the suck it thing or you know was giving you the finger. It's not that bad. Like I just think baseball players are a little too sensitive these days. They get so worked up about everything. Like oh you pimped a home run, I'm gonna plunk your next batter the next inning. Like get over it. It's it's a sport. There's all sorts of showmanship like that. You know, baseball is the least contact sport there is out there. Like, let guys show their personality. I'm okay with it. And granted, like, again, I'm not a Rays guy. I hate that fan base. I hate that team. But you know what? Wander Franco's a young stud. If he wants to flip the baseball in his hand before throwing you out, fine. There may come a day, like I said, where he does that and he fumbles it. And it costs him. And Kevin Cash, we all know who Kevin Cash is. He'll pull him aside and be like, you're not doing that again. So let the kids play. That's what I, that's what I say. Just let the kids play. Stop getting worked up about such little stuff. And just enjoy the game. Because baseball is recovering. Baseball was dead in the gutter a couple of years ago. With the rule changes and with all the young stars like Franco, Acuna, you know, all these guys coming up and, and you know, being on highlight reels, baseball's in a good spot. Let it be in a good spot. Stop trying to force the unwritten rules when, let's face it, those aren't prevalent anymore. No one cares. So I have no problem with it. Let them keep doing it. Fine by me. I ran a poll on the Bastards Twitter account and 71% uh, have no problems with it and uh, 29% do um, like I said I mean I just feel like there's it's it's gonna lead to shenanigans and I mean I get, we're gonna have to be okay with that I mean this isn't super related but Alec Manoa against the Yankees purposely um, walked to the dugout late and basically interrupted the the starting pitcher from starting and then he did it with the Red Sox I just feel like these situations are going to arise because of the other shenanigans. And, you know, it just is what it is. 
you know, the, the bat toss scene around the world was um, Jose Bautista in the 2016 playoffs, I think. They were playing, must have been Cleveland or something. Or no, Texas, excuse me. They were playing the Texas. It was Texas. Rangers. That, that was the, yep, the that, fight. That is who it was. And, um, you know. Odor, that was the guy at second base. Yeah, and they, the Blue Jays win that game and nothing happened that series, but that next April the Blue Jays went to Texas. Ugly. Bautista slides a little hard into Odor, bounces up. They have words, and Odor hits him with a haymaker. Still the hardest punch I've ever seen thrown uh, on a Major League Baseball field. Like, Bautista did not have his legs under him for a full minute, and just staggering everywhere. And it is what it is. You know, so you got to be okay with all of it, I feel like. And, you know, as soon as it happens to our team and it doesn't go right, like, do I want Jaron Duran messing around a season after he couldn't find the baseball? Uh, You know, so it's just, I don't know. I'm kind of in the middle, I guess. Time and a place for everything. I'm I'm in the middle, yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. Like, don't, (laughs) you know. Maybe don't do that stuff in the playoffs, but you know what? Like regular season, early May, you know, there's there's other sports going on. You're trying to get people tuned in. Sure. I have no problem with it. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, any final thoughts from you guys before we wrap up for the night? Uh, not really. Just uh, Not that I have either. Been a fun yeah. season cool. and it's been fun doing this. Hopefully it'll be another fun weekend in Philly. Little brotherly love. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully it's a fun weekend in Philly. And I'm sure there'll be more that will come up before next week's round table. So we'll be uh keeping an eye on that and we look forward to doing another show on that next week. So uh until then, the Sunday night crew will have you guys for Monday morning, whenever that show comes out. They'll recap the Philly series and the midweek crew will be back with you guys a week after that. So until then, everyone take care and we'll see you guys soon.